Thank you for downloading the Walking On Air podcast. Before I begin, I would like to thank the three fantastic sponsors of this podcast. Where are you going on holiday this year? Will you be exploring the mysterious moorlands of Dartmoor or the lovely lakes of the Lake District? Perhaps you would like an adventure in Andalusia or an autumnal wine walk in Sicily or Spain. Do you want to return to the roots of Nordic walking and have a go at cross-country skiing in Norway? Or are you looking for a challenge walk somewhere further afield in Africa, India or Canada? You can find holidays to all these incredible destinations and many more at walkingwomen.com. Local women guides provide in-depth knowledge of each area and will encourage you to walk a little longer and walk a little higher. Use the discount code WOA23 to get a £50 discount off your next walking holiday. Walking women take care of the organisation so you can take care of yourself. The next sponsor is the go-to supplier of brilliant Nordic walking poles. Nordicwalk.store is the leading independent online retailer of quality Nordic walking poles in the UK. Always warm and friendly, I can vouch for the fact that you will get excellent customer service in their capable hands. Nordicwalk.store will deliver Lecky and XL poles the next day anywhere in the UK and if you need advice about which pole is right for you, then contact Paula, who is always happy to help answer your questions. And finally, have you ever considered turning an activity you love into your actual job? If you enjoy being outdoors, meeting new people and staying fit, why not train to become an instructor yourself? British Nordic Walking offers internationally recognised high-quality instructor courses and provides amazing ongoing support for its instructor network. If this sounds tempting, then you can book an instructor training course with a £25 discount if you visit www.britishnordicwalking.org.uk, click on the Train With Us tab and book using the discount code WALKING23. I trained with British Nordic Walking back in 2014 and it provided me with all the information I needed to start teaching and gave me the confidence to set up as an instructor on my own. As a British Nordic Walking instructor, you too will benefit from ongoing support from the community and CPD opportunities to enhance your own knowledge. Further details, discount codes and links to the sponsors' websites can be found in the show notes. Welcome to Series 2 of the Walking On Air podcast, the podcast for all Nordic walkers, wherever you may be around the world. I'm Mary Tweed, an instructor with British Nordic Walking. Each week I will be discussing various topics with Nordic walkers who are experts in their own particular fields, covering a diverse range of topics so we can all learn about the benefits of walking in general and Nordic walking in particular, as well as other great tips for well-being and improved health. If you find this podcast beneficial, then I would be extremely grateful if you would consider occasionally making a small donation, the price of a cup of coffee, by clicking on the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. This helps cover the cost of producing these podcasts. Thank you. Before we get into this week's podcast, 
I have a favour to ask on behalf of Vicky Welsh, who was my very first guest on Walking On Air and eloquently tackled the question of what is Nordic walking? She is applying for government funding to study the links between Nordic walking and mental well-being. She would love it if listeners could spare two minutes to complete a short Nordic walking mental well-being survey. The link will be in the show notes. I have completed the survey myself and it takes no time at all, but I know it will benefit our community in the long run. Today I'm talking to John Horton, a British Nordic walking instructor from Rochester in Kent. John is also a qualified personal trainer, a paramedic and university lecturer in paramedic science at Anglia Ruskin University. John has a background in road, trail running and ultramarathon running and has undertaken several extreme challenges in his running career, which we will discuss in our conversation. However, he had to find an alternative form of exercise when he developed osteoarthritis six years ago, which is the subject of this episode. John is not alone in this condition. Approximately 8.5 million adults in the UK have osteoarthritis, and it is estimated that 50% of people over 65 have some evidence of this disease in their joints. A big welcome today, John Horton, to the Walking On Air podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Lovely to uh, to actually meet you at last, even <laughs> if it is via Zoom. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll meet in real life and have a proper <laughs> face-to-face conversation, which would be nice. But this will have to do for the time being. As I mentioned in the intro, you have a background in extreme challenges. Please, could you tell the audience a little bit bit about some of those challenges? Right. Um, Well, the background was that uh, I started out as an ordinary marathon runner um, and then got sucked into uh, extreme sports. Um, And uh, it did actually happen in a pub where somebody said, why don't we do Marathon de Saab? And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. I've got no idea what it is, but let's do it. It was uh, just an amazing challenge. And although I came back from it with 40% of the skin on my feet missing um, and uh, a a fairly significant uh, foot infection, um, it really did make me feel that I could do anything, that the sort of personal confidence I got from the event, you couldn't compare it with anything else really, just to make you feel capable of undertaking anything. That was one of my extreme events. The other one that I did was the Everest Trail Race, um, and that was 150 kilometres in five days. Uh, But uh, I personally feel it was harder than Marathon de Saab, um, purely because of the ascent, descent every day. Once again, a, an amazing experience and something I really treasure as, um, as being one of the sort of events I've been able to do. How amazing. And having coped with extreme heat and extreme altitude and lack of oxygen, you really must feel pretty invincible. So how <laughs> did you get from doing those sort of very extreme events to getting into Nordic walking? While I was in uh, Nepal, I was aware that I was having 
problems that I had not encountered before. Nothing hip-wise, though. The, um, the hip issue really came as a shock to me because uh, all I was really getting was, being a, being a paramedic, of course, I decided to self-diagnose myself, that I got something like an, uh, an iliopsoas um, uh, ligament problem. And eventually I went to see my doctor and he said, your hip is knackered. And I said, well, you haven't even examined me. And he said, I've seen enough knackered hips to know that you've got osteoarthritis. Um, and it hit me like a steam train. It yeah. has to be said. In a huge shock. From it, it, well, I just had this sort of tunnel vision. I was invincible. Um, it wasn't people like me that got arthritis. And in first uh, of July, twenty sixteen, I didn't get a hip replacement. I got a hip resurfacing, um, and that is very, very good for people who are active. It gives you a great deal more mobility, and it means that you can probably carry on doing sport for a lot longer. Um, but of course, the the caveat was, we've given you this, but you've got to avoid high impact exercise. So your running days are definitely over. It was the first time that anybody had actually said it. And I really didn't know what to do. And then I was on the web one day just looking at other sort of activities. And I, I came across Nordic walking. I think it was one of the, uh, the videos done by some, some uh, Finnish competitors. And I sort of looked at that and I thought, well, it's never going to be running, but it's certainly the, the sort of thing that I can turn into a challenge for myself. And of course, that's the beauty of, of Nordic walking. It, it's absolutely ideal for so many people because you can either do it at very much the social level and you just are getting out and you're you're talking to people but for me being slightly mad and slightly extreme it meant I could look at that and see if there were ways that I could use it to just fulfill the bit that was missing from not running Certainly now, um, nearly five years on from when I had my hip resurfacing, I'm starting to um, push the boundaries a bit. I'm trying to go faster. I'm trying to go more into the, the extreme end of Nordic walking in terms of environment. And uh, I've got a, a, a project that's bubbling around at the moment where we hopefully we'll be able to offer um, uh, an opportunity for other like-minded individuals and there's a possibility that um, we could be taking a group of walkers to Nepal next year um, and doing a very similar but parallel route to the Everest trail race so watch this space. Well, I really, I will be watching the space. And if you do manage to do it, I want to get you back on the podcast to talk about it a little bit more, because that sounds really interesting. But um, still focusing on osteoarthritis, I just want yeah. to ask what benefits you've experienced from Nordic walking? Okay, so with Nordic walking, obviously, the, the beauty of it for so many people is that it's a low impact activity. But cardiovascularly you can do a damn good workout you can get your heart rate up you can 
set your own little challenges. But um, I think the most important thing that I've got out of it is to be back out there, back out in in the, the great outdoors, doing something which it's, it's just so challenging in its own way. So today's episode, we're focusing on osteoarthritis. And I would say that in my experience as an instructor, it's one of the most common reasons that people take Nordic walking up. I have a lot of people with knee and hip replacements. So I want to go right back to basics and ask you if you can explain what causes osteoarthritis and and what it is for people who might not know. Okay, so... All our, all our joints have a covering of cartilage. That's, that's what we start out with. And if we're lucky, um, we'll get into quite senior years um, with that covering of, our, of the cartilage intact. It does wear down with age. Um, women are more likely to get uh, osteoarthritis than men. But... As in my case, um, the cartilage disintegrated because of the stupid things that I've got up to over the years. And in some ways, osteoarthritis has benefited me to see, see beyond normal activity and look at, look at ways that I can maximise my physical activity beyond arthritis. Um, the other problem that you get with uh, osteoarthritis is that you get things called osteophytes, which are bony overgrowths around the edge of the joint. And of course, even if the, the lack of uh, articulating surface doesn't get you, then the bony overgrowths will because they'll reduce your range of movement. So you mentioned um, arthritis causing a limited range of movement. Mm. What other effects does osteoarthritis have on somebody's physical fitness? Um, Well, it's going to limit the distance that you can walk. Um, That was, that became very evident to me once I'd accepted that I got osteoarthritis and that, that took a a while. Um, it's it's like any form of, of bereavement. There is that period of denial where you really believe that the, the, your GP and the surgeon are really not understanding what's going on. And when you, you do start to realise um, the, the physical bit is only part of it, the mental bit of, of being challenged by what is a is a chronic condition it, it's it's horrendous and the the mental attitude cannot be understated chronic pain is a, is a terrible thing to have and you wake up in the morning and of course very often you feel okay and it's progressive and it's nagging and it gets worse as the day goes on and i was intent on not letting my fitness drop. Once I knew that I got a surgery day, I just concentrated on getting fit for surgery, which is something I'd really, really recommend to people that if you go into surgery with your muscles in poor shape, then you're going to have a a real upward climb when you come out of surgery to try and get back to where you want to be. So I spent 
three months prior to my surgery, just working on all the muscle groups that really were important just to keep them in, in the best condition and trying to exercise them without creating more pain for myself. When I came out of surgery, within seven days, I'd thrown the crutches away and I was walking um, three to four miles with my partner. I think probably within two or three weeks, um, we were doing more than five miles in a walk. Um, and I found that was very much the psychological tick box that I needed, that I could do that. And of course, um, my recovery was incredibly good. And when I went back for my six-week re uh, review, uh, the uh, surgeon I saw was totally taken back that I was crutch free um, and that I was walking these sorts of distances. That's brilliant. So what are the common barriers to exercise for people with osteoarthritis and how can these be, be overcome either by the individual or by an instructor? Mm. I think part of the, the barrier to exercise is as I say, chronic pain um, and learning to to deal with that. I think um, people who haven't had the the option of of surgery, who are just living with it, it it is a mental thing as much as the physical thing, and that's the hard the hard bit. Um, as far as an instructor, and it is about small victories. It's about uh, introducing them to something which they very quickly learn that with Nordic walking, because they are not only supporting themselves and they're taking a lot of the impact out of their movement, they're also improving their posture and they're also improving their propulsion. Um, and when they start to realize that it's particularly with knees and hips, it, it's the way that it affects your, your gait your cadence and if you can inject that little ray of hope that by using your poles effectively you're going to improve posture you're going to improve your gait you're going to improve your cadence then that's that's like a ray of light to a lot of people and they can start to see that they may be waiting for surgery but there's an awful lot that they can do while they're waiting there are of course some people who have got spondylosis the sort of arthritic spine and things like that for whom there isn't surgery but um, I've had two people like that who have both said that by improving their posture it's improved their quality of life and they realized how poor their posture was prior to taking up Nordic walking and what a difference it's made to them. So how exactly does Nordic walking help people with osteoarthritis? Um, I think that from my experience, it's an activity that shows them that there is a way of exercising that is going to benefit them long term. Uh, that once they get the confidence that they can walk with poles, and get the basic skill, they then discover um, that the, uh, the method allows them to improve their posture, their balance, unless you can 
take away chronic pain, then it's something that people have to live with. And some people do live with that with uh, analgesia on a, on a daily basis. But I think that Nordic walking, because it gets people out and it gets them re-engaged with, uh, in some cases, um, people with similar problems, then it's a social thing that helps as well. Because I found uh, with my situation that I didn't really know that many people who had uh, osteoarthritis. And so I didn't really have uh, a forum to, to share my concerns and my worries with. Physically, because they are supporting their weight and they are discovering a new form of mobility because it's not about high impact, it's, it is unlocking doors for people who have arthritis and really thought that probably, you know, being involved in anything um, pseudo-physical was, was really not going to be something they were able to do. As an instructor, do you have to adapt the technique, the 10-step technique, in any way when teaching people with osteoarthritis? So <laughs> the 10-step the technique, I find generally assists them. There's, there's very little that you have to do. You, you, you need to realise that very often people will not be able to do the extending fully and releasing uh, actively. That may not happen. And I mean, that, that doesn't happen always with people who haven't got arthritis. But it's about just showing them a way where they can get the advantages of Nordic walking by the feeling of propulsion, the feeling that they're being supported. Um, so I, I never set out consciously to change it. Um, if people have a particular issue, then we'll stop and we'll think about modification at that point. But it's not so much about the physical, the physical barriers. Very often it's about the mental barriers that people build up with arthritis. I had a, a, a gentleman who was uh, ex-Royal Navy. He had a degree of arthritis, but he was also um, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder as well, which uh, went back um, 20, 30 years, and he'd never really addressed it. And he had all sorts of things going on. His, his posture was bad because he had an exercise. His posture was bad because he had, the, he had early arthritis in uh, both his knees and he was starting to alter his gait because he was compensating. But he was also carrying this, this PTSD cloud around with him as well. And um, he was one of those chaps who I found it very difficult to, to get out of tick-tocking, left arm, left legging. And he put it down to his gait and that he was um, frightened to extend his, his gait because of the arthritis. And we, we, we looked at various ways of trying to adapt the technique. Nothing really worked um, until I, on uh, I think it was our second or third time out, I just took a small speaker in my rucksack and I played him the band of the Royal Marines. And all of a sudden, his posture changed, his gait improved, 
And he was using the polls as effectively as somebody who'd been trained and had mastered the technique. And he couldn't believe how suddenly just one little sort of mental help from the past suddenly improved him. And it, and it wasn't muscle memory. This was brain memory that actually altered his gait, his posture, and everything about the way that he walked. He could see in himself how the technique, once he'd actually adapted it for him and taken back control with a bit of his, his military bearing, he could suddenly improve. He is the sort of chap who is the ideal sort of person to hold up and say Nordic walking makes a difference on so many levels, not just physically, but mentally. Yeah. If you can just persist and you can find that way through that actually makes it right yeah. for individuals. And finally, this podcast is called Walking on Air, as you know. And so I wonder if you can give us your top tip for walking on air. <laughs> With Nordic walking, my best days were certainly some of the beach walks because that, that just gives you everything. It gives you the vista, you've got the sea air, you've got that beautiful you know compacted sand that's that to me is is walking on air very often um when i go out i'm reminded of uh, a lyric from faithless some of you may know the band and one of the lyrics uh, that really resonates with me when i'm out nordic walking is that this is my church this is how i heal my hurt and it really sort of sums it up that it's you can be anywhere, but if you've got a sport or an activity that just fills you with pleasure, then that heals your hurt. You, you, you don't worry about anything else when you're out. You're concentrating on the technique. You're, you're enjoying the vista and where you are. And it's just that feeling of, of well-being that, that Nordic walking gives me. Um, and the sort of um, elation of being able to still be doing something like that when five, six years ago, the, the black clouds had rolled in and I really couldn't see where I was going to go and what I was going to do to exercise and give me that feeling back. Well, I'm so glad that you have got that feeling back, John, and I wish you luck in your challenge next year, which sounds very exciting. Thank and you. it just finally remains me for me to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experiences uh, with us all today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Mary. I'm extremely grateful to John Horton for sharing his experiences of his own osteoarthritis and what he has learned by teaching others with his condition. I particularly benefited from his openness about the psychological issues he and others have to face when getting a diagnosis and coming to terms with making the most of life with osteoarthritis. I have included links in the show notes to organisations in the UK and USA which have further resources if you wish to learn more. I do hope that you enjoyed Walking On Air 
And if you have enjoyed doing so, then I would be extremely grateful if you could spare 30 seconds to like and review this podcast on the platform that you listen on and hit the subscribe button, particularly if you listen on Apple Podcasts. It will help spread the word about Nordic walking and about this podcast. If you have any feedback, suggestions or a story that you want to share on this podcast, please get in touch by emailing me at hello at walkingonairpodcast.co.uk. Have a great week and happy Nordic walking. And finally, before I go, I would just like to thank this episode's sponsors, British Nordic Walking, NordicWalk.store and Walking Women. Their support enables our community to share knowledge and learn together.